You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to another fine edition of the Needless Things Podcast. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and today I just want to start off by saying I just finished re-watching the third season of Game of Thrones, and fucking shit, that show is incredible. I mean, I know I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said by everybody on the planet, but uh, The Reigns of Castamere... Uh, spoiler alert, if you've not watched the show, don't listen to, to the next couple of minutes here, but I watched The Reigns of Castamere, and it fucked me up just as much as it did the first time, if not a little more so, because uh, it's it's not necessarily that I'm upset about it. I mean, I am, because, you know, we, we've grown to love these characters, Rob and, and uh, Catelyn and you know, the Stark clan and a good portion of their army too, apparently. And, and the wolf Rob's wolf, whose name I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's horrifying, but at the same time, from a certain way of thinking, Rob had that coming. I mean, obviously his lovely wife, not so much, uh, but, and, and certainly his unborn child, my gosh, but uh, yeah, brutal. It, it's brutal. It's the most brutal and affecting thing I've ever seen on television. Uh, but they walked into it, man. Even the first time it happened, you know, I didn't know that was going to happen. But I knew something horrible was going to happen. I mean, and it's it's set up. It's it's fairly, uh, you know, most of what happens on the show is pretty clear there are not a lot of surprises there you know sometimes it's surprising the way things happen but but it's all set up but uh no the part that affected me was the hound rescuing aria from you know being part of the slaughter that was the part that was like oh shit look at him save her little ass that's so sweet and then you know through throughout the rest of that episode and then the the final episode of the season which that's the part that to me is really wild is that that was not this the 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 red wedding was not the season finale there's a whole other episode after it uh because there kind of had to be to tie everything up but holy shit man i mean that show is just fucking phenomenal the performances the settings everything about it uh earlier in the season uh when daenerys freeze the the uh unsullied and turns them on the city dude that's just about as powerful as the red wedding i mean that shit's crazy too uh and again i i saw it coming and i I, i'm not gonna say i saw every little bit of it coming and i knew exactly what was gonna happen but i knew the whole time that guy was talking smack about her in that language 
Like, I, I, I was, she knows that language, doesn't she? She knows that language. This is going to turn bad for that guy. Because uh, George R.R. R. Martin, as much as he loves to kill our favorite characters, he also really likes to stick it to people who deserve it. Uh, like that guy, and uh, like old Theon Greyjoy, who who was a total douchebag. You know, while you're feeling sorry for that guy after he got his pecker cut off, don't forget, uh, he fucked the Starks over pretty hard. So, you know, it, it, what goes around comes around in uh, Westeros, uh, much more severely maybe than is warranted, but but it certainly does. So that's my little Game of Thrones talk. I could go on and on, and maybe I'll do an episode about it. But I just finished rewatching it before the new season starts in April, and I wanted to say a couple of things. So there they are. Uh, now, there are a couple more things to say, like, you can find the Needless Things podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, and of course, at its home, needlessthingssite.com, which is part of the ESO network. Uh, so check all that stuff out. It's all great. Today's show... I have a little talk with the very first person I ever interviewed, Mr. James T. Warbington. Uh, James is a mentor of mine uh, back when I was in a punk band way back in the day, uh, almost 20 years ago, as a matter of fact. Uh, James helped us out a lot. He's He was uh, an original member of the Tone Deaf Pig Dogs, uh, who are a punk group that I love and, and always will love, regardless of whether or not they're currently operating. But uh, James helped us out. He's a good guy. He was one of the first people I knew who, who had any kind of access to computer-type stuff. And just a real, real motivated, go-getter type of guy. And he is working on his second movie now. His first one, The Black Earth, is a zombie flick uh, with, with some, some fine country folk taking care of a zombie situation. So check out FamilyCurseFilms.com and see what James and his uh, crew of brigands have for you there. There's the Black Earth. And, of course, his new film, The Gorda, which I, throughout the interview, referred to as simply Gorda without the. And uh, James and Matt were too polite to correct me. But I, I didn't get the whole thing going into this. Uh, James had sent me a good portion of the script to read, but I just didn't have time to do it. So I did not realize what the Gorda was all about. It is explained in the interview, though, so fear not. Uh, but anyway, James is on. Uh, we also have a couple of surprise guests in the form of Matt Sex Sells famed and lauded professional wrestler and his lovely wife Jen Sells uh, the the head of Pro Wrestling Resurrection PWR Wrestling and uh, it's a fun talk we have a great time uh, we talk mostly about uh, James's life a little bit about the movies and a little bit about what's coming up and it's a good time I enjoyed it I hope you enjoy it too check it out <laughs> You can't kill me, I will not die, not now, not ever, no, never.
Hey, Phantomaniacs, it's Stuffy Phantom Troublemaker here. Uh, I am recovering from a cold that's been lasting for about a month now, so I sound great. I'm drinking lots of water. I just ate about 10 pounds of Chinese food, so I'm really in the best physical condition I could be in. And I took a double dose of cough syrup just to try and sound somewhat passable here uh, for, for what I'm very excited about, a very special interview with an old pal of mine who's got all kinds of stuff going on and uh, who we're going to catch up with tonight. And that is Mr. James Warbington, who... I originally met uh, when I was uh, a wee, fresh-faced punk rocker uh, trying to convince people that I could pick up a microphone and scream things into it. And uh, James came along and, and helped my little band out and, and really helped out with everything. And uh, I'm really happy to have you here, man. How are you doing tonight? I'm all right. I'm just hanging out and sitting here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And uh, trying to talk like those folks down here because it is Fat Tuesday. Oh, lovely! Uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm abstaining from alcohol right now because I'm hoping that uh, the medication I'm on will will do everything it's supposed to do. And apparently, the alcohol uh, that that's going to be my second step. If the medication doesn't get the job done, I'm I'm just going to keep drinking rum until all the bacteria and whatever in my body is dead. I, t- I tell you now, I, I you know Hank Williams the. The third is uh, doing music for us on this next film we're doing. And me and him both agree because we've discussed this. Uh, the best way to get over a cold is a uh, tablespoon of sugar and two shots of Jack Daniels. And I'm willing. Because even if you don't get over it, you're going to feel a lot better. I'm willing to try that uh, at, at this point. <laughs> I'm, I'm over this bullshit. Well, man, I here is here are my two... My first two memories of meeting you, the very first one was me and Scott went over to your place and there were a bunch of dudes set up, networked computers, which I had never seen before, uh, oh, yeah. playing, I don't know if it was Doom or Wolfenstein. And it blew my mind. I was like, what the fuck are these guys doing? And I see these giant cannons going down these hallways, blasting demons and whatever. And they're super into it. And I was like, what is this? What's going on? And you kind of explained to me what was happening. Because, I mean, at that point, King's Quest was pretty much all I had done on the computer. I I was not. Well, I'm still not a computer guy. But uh, you were like, oh, yeah, they're playing whatever it was they were playing. You were like, you want to give it a try. Sure, I'll give it a try. And I sat down and got my ass kicked in like five seconds. I was like, okay, I, yeah, I understand. That's, that's normal. I did too. <laughs> the, um, that's my cousin Mark. And, uh, my cousin, uh, Mark is probably not really a cousin. He's more like a brother. He's, he's legitimately my cousin. But, um, growing up, um, I wanted to play guitar. He gave me guitar. Um, I got, you know, I was living in downtown Atlanta. I was actually living in Chambly and, uh, I got to hang out with him during one summer and, um, I said, Hey man, I've been listening to this music and I brought him like a fat boys tape. <laughs> and he said, he took the tape away from me and said, this is garbage and threw it away and handed me a cassette tape of like Led Zeppelin and Rush and, uh, you know, uh, Different stuff like that, you know, Ronnie James Dio, Black Sabbath, all that stuff. So he, he kind of molded me a lot as far as musically as well as, um, 
help me with computers. So as time went on, he actually had a recording studio. And if you guys know Andy Sanford, I know you do. Yeah, yeah. Andy actually, Andy recorded with him originally, and he also ran a record store in uh, Decatur, Georgia, which was called Rain Day Records. He had a big hand in people like Michelle Malone, um, Natalie Farr, Josh Joplin, a lot of the folk uh, bands that were playing Eddie's Attic a lot down there. Yeah, Atlanta. yeah. Um, he had a big hand in a lot of that stuff. So he actually worked a little bit with uh, the Indigo Girls. Because they were very big on coming back. But me, I'm, you know, I'm a punk rocker. So I'm like, I don't give a shit about this folk stuff. Um, well, and that's, that's where you like really guided us a lot. Cause when our, the irresponsible stuff, that was, uh, that was us. You were there for a lot of our practices. You were there kind of helping us learn. And, and, and it wasn't like a, you need to do it this way. It was, give this a try like you you were one of the best early teachers i had at at anything yeah well i mean for me it was me and mike nixon and uh mike's like a brother to me for he has been for for many years uh me and mike don't agree on politics these days it's kind of like gene simmons and paul stanley but we were in high school together. I wound up leaving it downtown Atlanta where I was a token white guy moving to a, to Banks County where it was all rednecks. And I was wearing a Metallica shirt being told I was a Satanist and a faggot because of Metallica, which is funny because like five years later when the Black Album came out, everybody was like, dude, you like Metallica. I'm like, fuck off, you know? <laughs> but, um, but me and Mike said, let's start a band. And our first band was called Submerge. Which was, um, total garbage. I mean, it was, just, I mean, I knew three chords and we tried to use those three chords as much as we could. So then we kind of progressed into the pig dogs and, and I learned that it doesn't matter who you are as long as you got enough stage presence, you can pull in just about anything off. Yeah. And that's, I'm gonna dog, I'm gonna, I'm gonna piss a lot of people off when I say this. That's, uh, basically Elvis Presley's mantra right there. Is Elvis Presley wasn't the greatest musician in the world, but he was a damn showman, and that's why he got over. Um, if it wasn't for him being such a showman, he would be nothing. Because the real writers at that time were, you know, Eddie Cochran and Gene Vincent and even Jerry Lewis and those guys. But um, Elvis just got on stage and had a presence. So that's what we tried to do, and that's what I tried to tell Scott. You know, I was like, "Fuck, who cares if you can play or not? You'll figure that out later." You don't have to worry about it. Come on, Beastie Boys, Ed Great on Mojo. I mean, come on. Then later on, you got you know the Beastie Boys Hall of Fame guys. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and you're right. It's if you've got that special something, if you can convey your a presence that's bigger than you, it really doesn't matter what you're doing. It's just if you're captivating. That's it. Yeah, that's all that I matters. Mean, that's exactly it. Yeah, I mean, if you can, if you can grab enough people's attention while you're still learning. Uh, by the time everybody else figures out what you're doing, hopefully you have learned what you're supposed to learn, whether it be chords or singing or bass or whatever. So, um, or in Dan's case, as much as I love him, drums, because Dan Dan actually played drums for the Pig Dogs for a second. Yeah, but um, his timing was weird. 
And <laughs> it's, it's not that he was off time. I mean, he was off time, but it wasn't that he was a bad drummer. It was that his timing was very strange to us because we're like 4-4 four, four really fast, you know, or 16-16, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. So he was really throwing us off. And I know that they had, everybody decided to, to do, you know, to, to ask pretty much to tell Dan to go. And it wasn't a personal issue. I think Dan got pissed at me after that, but you know. Well, cool. I mean, and, uh, and we, we were all so freaking young then. I mean, uh, telling that story about, you know, the computer stuff. I mean, that was like maybe 94 or five, I think. Right. Well, I mean, I'm that was, be, I'm going to be 40 years old in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, the time that man, I'll be, I'll be 38 in May. So. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm chasing you down. Oh, but, uh, this, <laughs> <laughs> well, and, uh, the, the second story I've got about one of my early James memories is this was after I knew you a little bit better and we, we'd hung out or, or at least been around each other a little bit more, just hanging out with all the little punkers and everything. And me, it was me and Scott again, went over to your place and you walk out from around the back and you've got on knee pads and elbow pads. I was like, huh. And this was after a conversation where I had started watching WWF again after a little hiatus, uh, cause the stone cold was happening and, and, uh, all that kind of stuff. And you'd said, Oh no, WWF is bullshit. There's this company ECW <laughs> that you guys need to check out. I was like, ECW, what is that? And me and Scott ended up going to a show um, at one of the local arena, a small, small place. And uh, Shannon Sproul was there, too, which was kind of funny. Yeah, I, I think you were hey, there, but I think you were Shannon, doing something. Shannon's in the movie, by the way, too, but we'll talk about that. Is she really? Yeah. Shannon. Oh, very cool, Daphne, very cool. Uh, Daphne from WCW. Shannon Sproul. Friend of ours from a long time ago. She is playing a serious badass in the Gorda, and um, she—I mean, she gets a kick out of it. So, but uh, I well, I just wanted to say, she's Shannon back in high school. Um, she was one of those kids who everybody loved. Like she was, she was kind of a punk goth chick, but. Everybody loved her, like, and she was sweet to everybody. She was just a great lady. And then you're, you know, running into her at that ECW show. She, you know, she remembered me. She walked up and was like, how's it going? It's great to see you. And like, every time I've seen her, she's just super nice. She's, she's a very genuine person. It's cool. I'm, I'm glad to know you worked with her. That's very cool. Yeah. I mean, I knew, um, well, you know, I went to Norcross High School. For brief moments, because my dad still lived. Yeah, I think we, you and I just missed each other. I think. For, yeah, probably. I mean, I knew that there's a handful of people still in Narcross. I mean, I came up through. I went to Narcross Elementary. I went to Summer Hour, and then right before I started high school, I moved to Banks County. And um, even when I was living in Shambly, my mom had decided that Shambly High School was not the place for me to be because it was mostly predominantly black and Cuban and Hispanic. And um, it was a pretty rough neighborhood where I lived. If you remember Buford Highway Flea Market, I lived behind that. 
Oh yeah. And um Oh yeah, it, wow. It was pretty known for some pretty weird gang situations. I don't know what it's like now cuz it's been a long time since I've been there. But it was rough then. And that was in the late 80s. And um I remember, I mean, that was a time where what was it? Electric Boogaloo came out, you know, Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo. But um there was a strip club on every corner and a porn shack and that kind of thing. So they would actually drive me to a address of my aunt who lived within Narcross high school or Narcross school systems. And I would go to school there. So then we would, then we moved up, uh, up to Banks County closer to Athens and I went to school there. That's where I met Jen. That's where I met, um, the Holbrook family. So I, you know, Jen and then my wife is Camille, her sister. Um, along with her brothers, Jason Holbrook and Danny Holbrook. Jason, who is a UFC trainer, he trains a lot of people. He trained Forrest Griffin and a lot of other people. Um, Danny's a, you know, a super football soccer coach for, uh, out in Charleston, South Carolina. So it was kind of like I, and then I would move back and forth because my mom was kind of in and out of it. I mean, my stepdad passed away when I was about 16. So my mom was kind of on her own and, you know, kind of living her life. And, um, oh, Matt just said he'd be on in just a second, by the way. Um, all right. So I would move down and hang out with my dad in Atlanta in Narcross and my cousin who lived next door. And, um, so I would come down and go to school at Narcross for about six months, long enough to get pissed off and, you know, like a teenager would and move back up to bank. Yeah. Yeah. And be there long enough to get pissed off and keep flipping and flopping and then of course music drum we all remember and love music drum which i'm supposed to do a a podcast on my show with uh steve steven morello oh wow so we're just gonna do music now you got you guys are politically aligned right yeah super <laughs> a lot <laughs> yeah we're, we're he's man you know he was in he was doing politics for a while. Did you know that? Yeah, I, I saw that because, uh, I put up a bunch of music drone pictures, uh, from when Corn did their appearance there. So that picture probably was which, from you where I was with, uh, yeah, that was mine. Next to yeah, yeah. Or somebody, yeah. And, and I'll, I'll say this. I don't care what anybody says about Corn. Those were a nice bunch of guys, man. Oh, they were. Yeah, they were. I hated Corn. I thought they were garbage. I thought their music sucked. And then after I met them, I thought they were the coolest guys in the world. I actually, bought like their greatest hits because uh, slowly you become like, well, you know what? They're really nice guys, and you listen to music. Oh, it's not too bad. But the yeah. difference. Yeah, I, was, I, I. Um, it was very when we wound up doing security for uh, System of a Down. That was the exact opposite. Because those guys. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Um, I can imagine. Corn, on the other hand, you know they got the their their request was they needed at least two cases of Coors Light. So I'm standing in the back, yeah. and Shannon knew Monkey. So is is me? Ian, I think you were there, and Scott was there, and um, Scott Stripling, and Shannon Sproul, and Corn, and Michael Brown, and Steve Morello. Jeremy Fry, all those cats, and we're all sitting in the back, and um, I think Jonathan Davis said, we're not really going to drink this shit. If you want it, yeah. you can have it. 
So me and Scott commenced to drinking, <laughs> and I just start drinking my ass off. And they're smoking pot. You know, they don't give a fuck about the beer. It's just part yeah. of the rider. Yeah. They don't give a shit. So we're getting fucking hammered with corn, and I'm like, dude, I'm getting fucking hammered. And they're all like, who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's cool. The only guy who was really kind of weird was Fieldy. But, I mean, at the end, he gave me a big hug and told me thank you. I mean, it was... They were very, very nice guys. I, I'm very surprised. They were yeah. very nice guys, and they took. They they didn't have a problem admitting how much influence Faith No More had on them. Right, and they were. It was weird too because a lot of times I've you know I've I met a lot of musicians throughout my life uh, just going to shows early and things like that, like Danzig, which is the biggest back and forth I've ever seen in my life. And those guys did not, they didn't act like they were yeah. somebody. They, they were just like, Hey, we're just guys, man. Cause I kept making jokes at, uh, their drummer. I think it's yeah, Dave, Dave Silvera. Um, yeah, I kept saying, um, to, uh, cause I was kind of, I was real tight hanging out with Ed Monkey. And I said, uh, you know who he looks like? And Monkey said, who? I said, he looks like Val Kilmer from Tombstone. <laughs> And they started laughing. I kept saying, you know, I'm your Huckleberry. You remember that? And they were all yeah, like yeah. laughing. And then Monkey started saying it to him in the head said, hey, Dave, I'm your Huckleberry. And he got pissed off. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's kind of weird. But, I mean, it w- wasn't pissed off in a bad way. It was kind of like, oh, fuck you guys, you know, that kind of attitude. So, But, yeah, they were, um, for a guy who listens to old school punk and old school metal, Getting to meet Corn actually won me over, so I actually listen out for their new stuff and and their videos are all, always great. I mean, it's dead on as far as their video work. Yeah, that was that was a really cool experience, and it was uh, it, well, I, it was so laid back back then. Music Drome, I, I would love to do one with all the a podcast with all the Music Drome guys, just shooting the shit about the old days. Yeah, because, uh, you know, they knew I was such a big Social Distortion fan, and I love Mike Ness, and I was just big into that. And so when Mike Ness started doing his solo stuff, I got a phone call and says, hey, you need to come down here. We got something for you. And I showed up, and they had the, uh from uh Time Bomb Recordings, they had the pre-release, so you're supposed to play oh, yeah, yeah. the new Mike Ness album, Cheating at Solitaire. And they handed it to me, and I was like, this is great. And they said, oh, yeah, when we got you tickets. Oh, wow. And I was like. What? And then they gave me the guy's business card and said, yeah, just go. Have a blast. And, and it was like Music Drum was just taking care of me. And I didn't work there at the time. I did work there later. But um, I'm just a, a just a guy off the street that they knew and we joked That's how they were, though, man. And that's what's missing. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's what's missing from nowadays. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, people get to download an album. And it takes you 30 seconds at best. And you think to yourself, well, yeah, this is better. Yeah, I can go to Amazon and download an album e- easy. But you don't, you know, you miss the camaraderie and going in and joking, joking around. Like people like Steve, me and Steve hung out so many times and, and Michael Brown and Dave Hansen and, uh, Jeremy and everybody and Shannon. You know, I would never really know Shannon other than high school a little bit if I wouldn't have met her at Music Drum and Andy Sanford for that matter too. Which all of those people are lifelong friends. Yeah, I, and that's what's missing. I think independent music stores need to make a comeback. 
Same with video stores, because those people wind up being a lot more than just uh, people you buy something from. They wind up being like... Well, and they give you so much. I mean, uh, so many... So much music that that I have listened to in my life came out of Music Drome, and I never would have listened oh, yeah. to it if it weren't for Michael and Dave. And no, I uh, I never knew uh, Buck Cherry was trying to do some stuff with them before their album came out, and Steve kind of knew them or had met them, and said, "Would you mind coming to this Buck Cherry show? Nobody knows who they are." And it was at Nine Life Saloon, and I said, "Sure." And we showed up and to, to a Nine Life Saloon and saw Buck Cherry live before their album ever came out. And we were just hanging out with them and joking around with uh, Josh Todd and those guys. And uh, Buck Cherry wound up being a great yeah. band. I mean, and they've got some. And I'm not a big hair band guy, but and I don't think they are. They're kind of in this weird mix of New York Dolls meets hair band kind of thing. But um. Hell, I would have never met those guys had it not been for Music Drum. They were just trying to get people to come to the show. And they did that for us, too. When the Pig Dogs released their first CD, when we did our first CD and we were going to tour for it, I, I took it and said, would you guys mind selling it? They said, sure, and they put it number one as the number one pick by the entire staff. Yeah, that's... And let's be honest here. <laughs> I love Michael. I love Dave. I love all those guys. They did not pick that as number one. They did that because they were trying to take yeah. care of us. Um, cause we were hardcore punk, you know, and then that's not their necessary thing. Sure, they might like the song, but, uh, for Michael Brown, if it's not Bruce Springsteen, it's not <laughs> You know, while we're on, while you mentioned hardcore, I've, I've gotta finish that second, uh, James memory that I had. Oh, no, sorry. that's fine. That's what, this is what I love doing, man. I love just having a conversation that goes wherever it goes. But, uh, we had had the conversation about wrestling. And, uh, then me and Scott went over to your place and you walk around and you've got the elbow pads, the knee pads. And I was like, what's going on now? Cause you always had sort of something new. Like you, you were, uh, you know, the pig dogs were pretty consistent, but you were kind of constantly doing James's new thing. Like I remember when you were trying to put together that Prince tribute album, um, and I was really excited about that. Did that ever happen, by the way? I don't uh, think so. <laughs> I was totally excited about that, man. You were going to have all the, the local Atlanta punk bands uh, do a, a Prince tribute album, which I, I thought was a fantastic idea. But this time, you walk out and you say, well, I've been throwing myself off the deck for about an hour now. I'm hurt as fuck. It didn't occur to me immediately what you were talking about, and uh, and it came about that you were going to start wrestling. That was your plan. Do you remember that? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I wanted to, but um, I think the smart person in me told me not to. It didn't last long. And it's no offense to any wrestler, but I know that's a hard road to go down, and actually... My wife now, Camille, um, we weren't married at the time. She moved to Alaska. She attended Fairbanks University, the uh, University of Alaska. And, uh, I really missed her a lot. And we used to watch wrestling. And, you know, I went, my earliest memories of wrestling, other than watching it with Joe Pettacino and Bonnie Blackstone in Georgia, were, um, went to her house and there was a wrestling ring in her front yard and Adrian Street was there. Oh, wow. 
and uh, Adrian Street, hands down, great guy. Adrian Street trained her brother at Skull mm-hmm. Crushers. One of the nicest wrestlers you'll ever meet in your life. Just it's totally respectable guy, him and Miss Linda both. Um, so what happened was one night I, t- I called Scott and said, Scott, would you mind filming something with me? He said, sure. So we had set up this ring in front of Taco Land, which is the old barn next to my house. I kind of lived in it. And me and Scott came out as the sheetrocker because he was working, doing sheetrock work with his dad. And I came out as, fuck if I know. But either way, we drank a whole bunch of beers. And um, I had a bunch of Diet Mountain Dews in my pocket. And I was doing the whole Sandman game. <laughs> and I was busting open these Diet Mountain Dews. And, um, yeah, so that so we, we filmed it with a, a shitty-ass camcorder and beat the living shit out of each other in the front yard. <laughs> throwing each other on broken glass and stuff and I send it to Camille as like, hey, I miss you. Watch this, you'll laugh. And um of course she still has it on VHS tape back in the day. Um it's never made the light of day, but if you ever see it, for some reason it's you'll laugh your ass off at two fat guys just beating the fuck out of Well you just described like seventy five percent of ECW. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen I would like to welcome to the Needless Thing podcast, uh, the man who has defined sex for the new century, I think, Mr. Matt Sex Sells. Am I on? I can't see shit. Like, I thought I would see myself. Skype sucks, and my computer sucks, and I don't know if you hear me or see no, me. No, you sound great. Um, th- this is just, Sweet. this is... I can see you. You need to put some damn clothes on. Uh, that's that's very true. I lo- you probably got a view of my nose because I just got the laptop in my my lap of appropriate places. That's fine. We'll talk so, about yeah, your lap. We'll talk shit. about your lap later. Sweet. Hi, Hi James. James. Oh, and that's Hi, Jen. Hey, Tater. Hi, James. Jen Sells is here with us as well. This is Hi, James. <laughs> hey. I feel like I'm 80 years old when I use technology. I feel like I should get this close to the webcam and just. Can you hear me? No, you're great. You were perfect when you first chimed in. That was that was excellent. And uh, as far as technology, uh, my reaction when technology does what it's supposed to do is, holy shit, that worked. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm absolutely the same way. What the hell are you doing? You damn wrestlers always late for shit. You're telling me? Well, cause I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm very old school. So it's, you know, drop in when I feel like it and then don't know how to access technology and I'll live in bumblefuck. So the internet connection wasn't sure how to download Skype and here I am. And if we don't, never. I'm used to being the, I'm used to being yeah. the main event. If we don't put a title on him before the, before the end of the episode, he's gonna walk out. <laughs> Well, it's uh, it's perfect timing. Uh, we can go ahead and talk a little bit about Gorda then, which is the point of this evening's chat. Gorda, uh, I, I tell you what, hey, Matt, since you just got here, hey, why don't you talk a little bit about your role in Gorda? Uh, from what I keep getting told from the uh, the the wonderful director uh, James T. Warbington, uh, my part keeps getting expanded and expanded and expanded. To uh, I'm going to be the the pre- essentially one of the lead villains. So I'm super excited about yeah. the film debut debut of Matt's Sex Cells. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um. Actually, his character is um. The whole story and the whole premise is the the main character is a 
a guy who has a, a Mexican with him, and he saved the Mexican's life. Well, the Mexican feels compelled to, like, go with him and save him. It's kind of like a Chewbacca Han Solo sure. thing. However, um, the Gorda, uh, which is Jeffrey Trawick, his name's actually Jack Swip, and um, the Mexican guy starts calling him the Gorda because Jack thinks that he can speak Spanish, but he doesn't. He just uh, he acts like he can to save face. So uh, once once the uh, once the uh, the Mexican guy, which is his name, they call him Amigo, but his name's actually Pachu. He says uh, once he realizes he doesn't speak Spanish, he starts calling him the Gorda, which means fat. <laughs> and so. So for years, this guy's been getting called Gorda, and uh, although they they're friends at this point, it's been going so long he's not going to tell the truth. And they show up in a town, and there's a main bad guy. Now Matt's character is a character named Reed, and he has two guys with him that I call the Meatheads, which are actually and Matt. You can say their names because I don't have it right in front of me. Yeah, that's going to be the, the other two members of the Rock and Roll Models. That would be uh, Johnny Danger and Kevin Ballinger. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, they're, they're going to be in it, too. And um, basically, Reed's character is he's a badass gunslinger. He's kind of like Johnny Ringo from Tombstone mixed with Will Ferrell. <laughs> so it's kind of like a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, an issue where one time the main bad guy is, is uh, John, played by Johnny M. Wall. He's a great actor from Atlanta. Um, his name's Fuller, and I named him Colonel Fuller, and I named him that for a reason, because that's after wrestling, actually. If you guys remember Colonel Fuller, you know. Of course. Uh, yeah, I mean, so that that's kind of where I, I put him at. There's a scene where he says, I need you to go take care of a problem, and I need you to go take care of the problem. And he says, oh, so you want me to go kill Slim and Charlie, which are two other villains. He says, no, I don't want you to go kill anybody. I want you to go figure out this problem. He says, well, the only problem I see is Slim and Charlie. He's like, no, no, don't kill anybody. Okay? And he's kind of like, oh, well, wink, wink, I won't kill anybody. So does that mean you want me to just kill Slim? I mean, that's kind of his character. (laughs) And then once it's all said and done, the two meathead guys always go, so, dude, I don't understand. Are we supposed to kill Slim or Charlie? And, And Matt's character's like, I think we're supposed to kill them both. You know, so no matter what, he just wants to kill people. And so, uh, he's kind of the right-hand man of the main villain, but he's also one of the few people who are going to survive. Uh, one of the other right-hand men of the villain is Shannon Sproul, Daphne, who's going to be the Barracuda. I can't give away the ending, but, uh, when it's all said and done, I'll just tell you that there's some people who are standing tall and, uh, unfortunately, I'm not sure if, if Matt will be standing tall, but he'll still be standing. <laughs> Is there a sex scene? <laughs> no. No. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're putting Johnny Danger and Matt Sells on film together and there's no sex scene? Are you sure you cast the right guys? Well, there could be. Well, I mean, yeah, but... Yeah, sure. You, I mean, we can do something. I mean, come on. Let's add lib. For me, I mean, if if anybody was on here that was with Black Earth, um, Black Earth set was basically we showed up with two cases of beer and cameras and said, all right, here's the script. Now we're going to throw this in the garbage. Now let's film this movie. And that's what happened. I mean, if you saw Black Earth, there's a scene where uh, a, a double-headed dildo shows up 
that was never written in anywhere. That was just something that they pulled out of their ass as actors. And I was like, okay, if that's what you want to do. And they, it, it they pulled out. a double-headed dildo out of their ass? That's you really awesome. need to see this movie, dude. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, Black, Black Earth. No, I, 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 I was there for the premiere. It was fantastic. It's a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> um, well, for me, it was it was one of those things where I was going to bed at 4 o'clock in the morning and getting up at 6 a.m. to go, and I'm getting two and three hours of sleep, and me being an old, fat bastard is tough because my heart was probably going a million miles an hour, not to mention I'm drinking all day and trying to get everybody together. And all of a sudden, I show... Chris Robbins, as much as I love him, shows up on set. Him and Corey Campbell, of all people, which are the two other guys who kind of run and own Family Curse, him and Jeffrey Trawick and Alex Trawick, show up with a double-headed dildo. We've got an idea for this. <laughs> like, where the hell did you get that? And Chris had specifically went out of his way to find a porn shop and buy this double-headed dildo, and they wrote this scene. And I said, okay, if you guys think it's going to work, and they did it. And I said, okay, I can live with it. And especially with, uh, if you saw the movie, Sherry's reaction to put that dirty wiener down <laughs> was the line. And all that shit was ad-libbed to the point where I have so many outtakes of them laughing because they couldn't get through it. Just to give a little background. But everybody. do For some background here, uh, The Black Earth is your zombie flick. Uh which is it's yeah. I, didn't it start off as a short and you were going to intend it on making it a full length feature and then kind of decided what you had was good stuff. How, how did what was the story there? Well, we had I had a whole I had a full script, but the problem was um, trying to get funding, and that's what I'm trying to do with Gorda right now is get the funding secured for mostly for insurance. I mean, that's the biggest thing is I don't pay actors. That's just not the deal I do because I worked on SAG films and SAG actors suck ass. But um, it's just to pay the insurance. So that's what I was going to try to do. I'm going to make this short film in Wisconsin, and let's set it out there and see if we can get funding for it. Well, we did. It was like after people saw it, they said it's a no-brainer. So we actually got a lot more than we were supposed to Um, initially for for the Black Earth. So we wound up making the whole feature, and we did it in Alabama, but we based it as if it were in Wisconsin, um, only because the the people I work with are based out of Alabama. So a lot of people, you know, we had access to stuff that we wouldn't have in Wisconsin. So um, the funny thing is the actors in Wisconsin were more than willing to travel on their own dime and pay for their own hotel rooms just to haul ass to Alabama and do this thing, which made me think, well, hell, we might have a pretty good movie here. And it was, I mean, it was a tight knit group, right? I mean, this, the, the production company is Family Curse. And I mean, it, it is, yeah. you guys are all like really tight. I mean, you all know each other. You, you weren't like bringing in a bunch of strangers or anything. Well, Family Curse Films got started because I did some film work with a particular guy. I'm not going to say his name. A lot of people are going to know who he is. And he just kind of shit on the production. He shit on a lot of us, and we worked really hard behind the scenes to make something happen for him. But nothing ever happens for him because he doesn't—he doesn't follow through with what's going mm. on. So, Family Curse was actually set up by all the crew and cast that had worked with this guy because we slowly started running into each other and realizing, hey, did you ever work for this guy? Yes, I did. Well, whatever happened with that? Well, nothing. Well, mine neither, didn't either. 
well, fuck him. Let's make our own movie. So it's mostly crew because, like, Jeffrey, for example, the guy who played Hank uh, in The Black Earth is not really an actor. And not that he's not a great actor. He is a great actor. He's done plenty of acting. But for the most part, Jeffrey's the kind of guy that can just throw down and just do audio. He can do anything he wants. And everybody in the movie was that way. So there were mostly crew members that were actors. And um, so it's basically a crew of people who got shit on that formed their own film company. So, I mean, that's what Family Curse Films is all about. So once you're in the family, it's over. You can't go anywhere because you're cursed. You're in the family. So Gorda... How did the transition from Black Earth, was Gorda something you'd been planning to do for a while, or did it just kind of come to you, or how did that come about? Well, I got four major scripts that we I've written through the years that I'm still hanging on to. Um, the biggest one is a sci-fi film, um, which actually was based kind of around uh, Jen's brother, Justin, um, and I guess my brother-in-law, Justin. Um, so it's a sci-fi film that's just way beyond my control. I, I couldn't financially ever do it. Um, so I'm trying to get there. So in the meantime, if, I'm going to tell you the truth. I mean, every film I ever do, if you look at the scripts or see the way it's written out, hey, it's a big group of guys. And a big group of guys, you know, one guy's crazy. One guy makes sense. One guy does something stupid. I mean, that's exactly what it is. They're buddy films. You know, they're drinking mm-hmm. games. Um, like and so that's the way we write it. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, and, and I always, I always try to write according to wrestling. And as stupid as that sounds, you sit down and I'm telling you, man, you guys gotta watch the Matt Stryker stuff. So, Matt, if you never saw that, you need to watch the Stryker stuff, cause Stryker's badass. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen the DVDs yet, but the seminar with him, we yeah, was fantastic. So yeah, I, I can Did only you imagine. Go? I did, yeah, it was great. That's how you write a movie. That's how life works. And I know it sounds stupid, and there's somebody sitting out there in a chair going, all wrestling's bullshit. I'm telling you, wrestling is the way the world works. And I'm telling you, you take a wrestling story, and you build this feud up, and you go to your false finish. And basically, you're shining in the face, and you're, you know, back and forth. You do the whole nine yards, you go to your false finish, and then you finish it the way everybody expected it. It's flair for the gold, man. It's bash at the beach. It's all these pay-per-views. That's what a movie is. That's what life is. And that's the way I write everything. It's based on pay-per-views. And I know it sounds stupid as shit, but it works. And that's exactly the Hollywood mentality. It's better to do... If if people in Hollywood would start basing movies on wrestling, on the way the story arcs are, or the good story arcs, not the shitty ones, they would actually have great movies instead they go do battleship all right you, you want all right, this is on a completely unrelated note your voice is making my cats horny for some reason <laughs> is that what we're hearing <laughs> this is a first they call me the Barry white this is a first we have horny cats in the background which i'm i'm kind of we've got a little theme music going back there it's shit, all right shit you not normally this only happens with metal music <laughs> like anytime they hear metal my male cat wants to hunt my female cat so there's something pretty metal about james i would say there's a lot pretty metal about james <laughs> I, I did get it i did kind of get some confirmation the past couple of days i don't know if you guys are fans of corporate Clowney, but corporate Clowney is going to do music for us Sweet. In wow. the movie. Them, them and Hank, Hank 3, yeah. So the first person I actually contacted was Isaac, 
my brother-in-law yeah. and Jen's brother and said, Isaac, dude, I got Corpaclaning, and he went, that's badass. And I've been taking pictures of the emails and sending them to him. You've got a few people. It's not 100% confirmed. You've got a few people lined up as, as, as uh, what, pretty good possibilities so far? Yeah, well, um, like Mojo Nixon, for example, um, I, as much as I love Mojo Nixon, he's just, him and Bullethead are great. Um, Bullethead's his management. And they just basically said, we understand where you're coming from. We, we know that you're just a poor blue collar guy trying to do something. Use any damn thing you want to. Mojo owns it all. And said, if you ever become successful, buy him a beer. And then I actually got to talk to Mojo about it. And Mojo said, no, man, kid, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, that's, you know, it's the American dream, which makes me respect him all that much more. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic. And, um, the real McKenzie's were in the last film, and basically I'd contacted their record company. Actually, I contacted their um, bagpipe player. Um, he said, uh, it's, "It's Gord. His name's Gord." And he said, "No, man. Let me let me pass this by." And then they contacted me and said, "We don't want you using stuff off our old albums. We want to give you something brand new." And um, they said, "Here's our new album. Just choose what you want," which is huge. I mean, that's the Union label. Um, Stomp Records, um, great guys. There's a band called The Brains that are on there. They're like a rockabilly zombie band. They're great too. Uh, they're probably gonna give us something for it. I'm not sure. So. That's awesome but, that you've um, got this. Reverend Peyton. Who's gonna provide uh, well, you the know sex how I music do for the rock and roll models? Oh yeah, you do need oh, to find. Get their own music. I don't know you why know my interview time has been hijacked by some female. Andy Sanford is going to do the music. He's going to help score him and Adam Ray. Adam Ray's up in Wisconsin, a guy I met who's a great musician. And, I like uh, Andy Sanford is going to actually go through and help me score it a little bit. Andy could could uh, so. Andy could whip up a sort of like sexy, funky Motley Crue type <laughs> song. I think. Uh, I, if you go to now, Andy Sanford has been doing music for I don't know how many years. There was one year that he decided he wanted to put out an album for every month, so he wanted to do like twelve albums in a year, and he pulled it off. And actually, if you go to electro electricminnowmusic.com, you can download anything you want from Andy. He gives it away for free, dude. He has got so much bow cheeky wow wow music. We can set you up, Matt. He's got... You would be like a porn star. He's got every kind of music, though. butt stuff. (laughs) Nothing but butt stuff. No butt stuff. No butt stuff. Can we get that on a t-shirt? Dude, you want me to write that into the damn script where you go, dude, I ain't into butt stuff. Sweet. Book it. I want to go back to wrestling for uh, for a second here, uh, since we do have Matt Sells. I don't I don't know anything about the, that. We need to talk about. Well, that's else. I mean I I've I've seen you in I've seen you in the ring, and that's become apparent. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, you did. That's actually what I was going to ask you about. Uh, you're you're fresh out of uh, what was it a Ring of Honor seminar? What, what did you go up for? I am, yeah, yeah. But, uh, this past uh, weekend, and uh, just outside of Philly in Bristol, Pennsylvania, yeah, I spent. Uh, Two 12-hour days at the uh, the Ring of Honor school uh, there in Bristol for a uh, yet another Ring of Honor seminar, which was fantastic. This one focused on tag team wrestling, which is, which is your uh, cool. current speciality. That is, I keep I keep on always saying, you know, hey, I want to be a singles wrestler. I want to be a singles wrestler, and I've spent the majority of my my 12 years in the sport of wrestling in a tag team. So I, uh, I guess I guess I'm a tag team wrestler. I, I don't know if you're familiar. 
or not with, uh, the, the, there's a wrestler, the Wolfman, uh, the Alabama Wolfman. Yeah, you, you may have heard of him. He had a pretty amazing singles match against the Invisible Man. I've never seen anything like it. If you could pick up some pointers from that guy, I think your singles career. Yeah, that's what I heard, but I heard the Invisible I, Man had to pretty much carry him through the whole match. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was an interesting affair. But uh, so, uh, what what happened up there? Like, what kind of stuff is, is there? Uh, I mean, I I would imagine for somebody that's going to something like that, you're not going to be doing just a bunch of drills and stuff. I mean, it's it's got to be a lot of just learning type stuff. What what went on? Right. It's it's yes. Yeah, the, the whole reason I, I continue to go to him because that was my my fifth seminar, and it's always a seminar slash tryout, and it's how I've managed to to get my foot in the door and do a little bit of work for him already. But yeah, it's just going up there and learning from the guys that are the top level independent professional wrestlers today. Uh, like th- this weekend, it was learning from uh, Mark and Jay Briscoe and Jay Lethal and Adam Cole uh, and mm. Kevin Kelly and Delirious and you know all all these amazing amazing talents that are there that you know break down every single thing you do in the ring and you know you do something you think it's passable and they're more than happy to break down into you know every little small detail and after you get done hearing about it you're like okay why haven't i thought of that before and it's really what i credit uh my improvement in the ring over the past couple of years i, I really owe to a lot of those guys up there because they, it just it gets you thinking of how can you be more of not just a decent wrestler or a passable wrestler wrestler but a, you know try to work towards that elite status like those guys have what uh have, have you done anything acting wise before or is is this going to be your first gig uh, this will be my first official acting get a gig other than uh, I did a lot of acting stuff in high school, st- stage acting, and then, uh, of course, the uh, the year's worth of uh, stand-up comedy that I've, I've uh, I, I guess you can call it stand-up comedy, the year's worth of me getting on a stage at stand-up shows and attempting to be a stand-up comic, but as far as any, any sort of film acting, yeah, this will be my, my film debut. We'll have to definitely have you back on after, because I'm, I'm, I, I want to see, you've got, you know, between the stand-up, and uh and the wrestling you have an interesting blend and i'm i'm curious to see how that informs your your performance in the movie I've, it'll be interesting to talk to you and see how everything goes there i'm super well, excited, excited to do it so it's going to be great that's, let's talk that's over each other you know, i wanted to have Matt other stuff but um to be honest it's like if you're going to get an actor um and you want to ch- you need an actor who's going to be physical physical presence as well why not choose a wrestler? I mean, come on. I mean, and I'm not trying to knock wrestling at all, but I mean, you're acting your ass off. You're selling. So I mean, it's like, not only are you are you acting physically, but you're acting mentally too and, and verbally. So I mean, it, a wrestler makes a perfect choice for an actor. So I don't yeah, I've been excited about working with wrestlers. Been excited about working no, with ahead, James man. for a while. I wanted to do this stuff at the Black Earth. I was supposed to do some stunts for that and. Uh, just didn't pan out because I actually had my, uh, my ACL surgery, uh, the weekend that, uh, I was supposed to do the stuff for Black Earth that uh, never worked out. So this is, this is definitely, uh, help, uh, build upon my acting skills, hopefully. So James. W- yeah, I mean. Where are you? Go ahead, man. Where are you in the process now? Where, I know you're, you're here fundraising, which before we get any further, how do we give you money? Oh, uh, you can go to Indiegogo is the first one. We're doing Indiegogo. Just type in Indiegogo.com. And then when you get there, search for the Gorda. And it's G-O-R-D-A. Um, 
and you'll be able to donate, and you also get perks. I mean, we, we don't ask for money unless we're going to give you something. Um, so everything you donate for, we're going to give you something for what you donate. That way you get your money's worth. Even if the movie sucks ass and you hate it, um, we're still going to give you stuff for it. And if nothing else, you can take it to the local pawn shop and get some money back, you know? But how, how um, can you take hookers thing. and blow to the pawn shop? We're not, well, we're not giving that out this time. We're keeping it out. Ah, son of a bitch. I want my money back. <laughs> um, the other thing is, uh, we do have another site called GoFundMe, which is something that, um, Shannon is doing. Shannon Spruill, Daphne, she's trying to do her audio book. So she's doing a, a GoFundMe spot to talk about her situation with WCW, her situation that happened at TNA with the concussion and the whole nine yards. Um, we're using that platform as well because that is not limited. India Gogo is very limited. It only gives you so many days to raise the money. Plus, they take out very high percentages. Um, GoFundMe is kind of a newer platform that's like, hey, we don't take out high percentages. We let you go as long as you want. So, I mean, so we're kind of doing two at the same time. Mostly India Gogo is what we're shooting for. Um, but, yeah, everything's taken care of. I mean, the script's solid. We actually have all the costumes. We have the location taken care of, which is uh, Shadowhawk uh, in Smithville, North Carolina, which is run by Dallas Drake. His name is actually William Drake. He goes by the name Wild Bill. He was in Bonanza, Gunsmoke. He's been in a lot of films with uh, John Wayne, uh, Henry Fonda. He's he's a really well-known and seasoned actor. Um, he's letting us use his little western town that he has out there plus he's promised to cook us one day he's going to cook a full pork like a pig they're going to roast a pig like old school with all the trim oh wow it's on them too so it's, so he's a great guy he's a, he's a great actor and just a great person individually I, I talk to him probably once every two weeks he'll call me and say what are you doing and we'll just sit here and talk he's 75 years old and you think he was our age, or at least you know, thirties, forties, um, just full of life. Great guy. So we're a hundred percent good to go, except for I got to make sure the insurance gets paid. Other than that, we're good. When, to go. when are you aiming to to start filming? Uh, the film dates are going to be July thirtieth through August fifth. Uh, July thirtieth is more of a travel day for most people. We're going to get everybody in on July thirtieth and kind of settle everybody down, talk to them in their hotel rooms, and go from the thirty first. Until the fifth and film every day. Um, pretty much twelve to fourteen hour days. If it was a SAG film, we would not would not be able to pull that right. off. Um, that's why we're not big SAG people. We're just independent guys who were trying to make a movie. And um, and as we're out there, I mean, if the script is off or something's going wrong, we may chuck something and bring something else in. If somebody's got a great idea, we'll do it. I, I prefer not to have another double-headed dildo in this one. Uh, <laughs> well, it'd have to be it'd have to be wood. This is a period piece. Yeah. You'd, you'd... <laughs> be like, oh, I found this. There's actually a scene in a brothel, by the way. The rock and roll um, models will have wood. <laughs> Always. Okay, yeah, I, I think we've got, we've got a, a one-up. You had a fake penis in the last one. You got to have a real penis in this one. So I'll volunteer my services. Hey, if you want to flash it out there, you can. I may edit it and post, but uh, I'll put it on the extras. <laughs> oh, yeah, the extras. <laughs> there'll, there'll be an Easter egg called Girth. <laughs> Girth. I like it. No butt stuff. 
It'll be, be the black girl. No <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put on Cafe Press because we always do T-shirts and stuff on Cafe Press. We don't charge extra money for it. Just Cafe Press rips you off. Yeah. No offense. No, they, I, they know it. At least you can actually put your stuff out there. But I would put a, I'll put a shirt out there that says Matt Sells, no butt stuff. <laughs> I like it. I would, I would wear that shirt. And you, and you can buy a handful of them and sell at shows. I like it. Those, those would be a hot seller amongst the children, I'm sure. Definitely. Those. If you want me to help you design it, I will. I mean, shit. No butt stuff. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I think that one pretty much designs itself. All you need is like, a, a white ass with the Ghostbusters, you know, cross out thing. No butt stuff. Yeah, and on the back we put in me- in, in memory of Harold Ramis. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he would love it. He'd be honored to be part of such a thing. He, he would probably laugh. Uh, yeah, he probably would. So, Gorda is is the current goal what's happening i'm i'm excited to find out it's happening because in talking to you um you sent me a little bit of the script and i haven't gotten through everything you sent me yet because things have just been absurd for the past year yeah but i mean i know your humor man i was excited about black earth when you told me about that and once i finally got to see it it's it's james through and through uh well scott stripling got to read it who, uh, you know, Scott, tattoo artist, Scott, Scott. He's actually going to do artwork for it, too. Actually, he wanted pictures of everybody because he wanted to start drawing spaghetti western-style posters for it. And I said, that's great. He read it, and he said, uh, I said, what do you think? And he said, dude, man, it's Army of Darkness. <laughs> I was like, well, I, I can take that as, well, I ripped them off. But at the same time, that's a huge compliment. While we're on here, okay, I don't know if you guys listen to my podcast. Plug it. I'm doing the Family Curse podcast. Where can we find this? In the second episode... Oh, it's on, uh, it's Podcast Garden or whatever Pod Garden. But you can find it on www.familycursefilms.com. There's a link. You just click it and listen to it. Me and Quinn, who played, uh, he was in, he was in Black Earth as Jake. Um, me and him had this huge argument about Fantastic Four. And we talked all comics through the whole thing. I, I'm pissed off about the Fantastic Four. I don't think the Jordan kid's a bad actor. And he's going to be playing, uh, Johnny, but it's just because you're racist. <laughs> no, I think that Sue needs to be a black chick. I think Sue needs to be a black chick if you're going to do that. What do you guys think? Oh no, I, I, I loved your your Facebook rant about it. I thought that was great. Yeah, I mean you're you're taking away one of the key elements of of that that whole story of uh, you know the Fantastic Four. If they're supposed to be brother and sister, and you're going to have one as a black dude and one as a white chick. It, it, it yeah, takes away the whole dynamic. And the thing is, it's not like she's a mocha chick and he's a light-skinned guy. Oh, no, 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 no. He's a black guy. She's a white, lily white girl. I don't... Get rid of her fucking ass and bring in somebody else. I don't care what anybody looks like. All I care about is that everybody can act whatever part they're supposed to be acting and that if a change is made... It's not being made just for the sake of change, which is what I, I think a lot of this I stuff is. Um, like when they were talking about uh, Donald Glover being the new Spider-Man. Yeah, he'd be an interesting Spider-Man. But a lot of that movement was just, well, it, it should be a black Spider-Man. You know, there wasn't really a good reason for it other than 
it, right. it's, and I feel like that's the same thing that's going on here because I mean, let's face it, Fox is making this movie for the same reason Roger Corman made a Fantastic Four movie. They don't want to lose the rights. It, it's the same right. situation. Which Corman Fantastic Four is pretty good. I, it's a fun movie. <laughs> Look, dude, I liked the last it's Fantastic fun. Four movies. I thought they were fun flicks. You know what? I thought, I thought I Rise of the Silver Surfer was no, good. I think Roger Corman, uh, you know, the Fantastic Four should be done by Russ Meyer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sorry. Uh, no, I thought the last Fantastic Four, I thought the first one was a nice warm up and the second one with the introduction of Silver Surfer was badass. Because I'm like, oh, Silver Surfer is playing Silver Surfer. They're not screwing this yeah. one up. They were, they were doing really good with Silver Surfer. And the same with Spider-Man. I thought Spider-Man was really good. The first one and the second one were going in the right direction. The third one was eh. But then to do a full reboot of Spider-Man was kind of lame. They should have just done, hey, we fucked up Spider-Man 3. Let's do Spider-Man 4 with a different actor and continue the storyline. But instead they reboot the same thing with Batman. I mean, it's all these reboots. I am sick of reboots. Just keep telling the damn story. You can't reboot. I mean, they're they're planning reboots 30 minutes after it hits the damn Well, I'll say this, and uh, I've I've had this conversation with lots of people, but not with you guys before, so it'll be fresh all over again. Uh, I think Nolan's Batman movies are fucking terrible Batman movies. They're great movies about a rich guy who learns how to be a ninja, but for, yeah. if you've created a world where Clayface and Poison Ivy and Man Bat are like too ridiculous to exist, then you've you've made a, a lousy Batman world. Well, that and the fact that the first major villain in, was Scarecrow. And that really pissed me off because I'm like, Scarecrow is not a major villain. And I, I mean, he kind of is, but not... Not in the Batman realm to me. Well, see, that I actually thought was yeah. not a bad, that wasn't a bad bait and switch though, because, I mean, really the villain was Rajal Ghoul, which to me is, like, that's my favorite Batman villain. That's the seminal guy. Well, it's, it's a, it's a good warm up. Well, the thing with Bane, and, and the guy who plays Bane, I forget his name. Tom Hardy. He was awesome in Bronson. I mean, Bronson is a fat. Yeah, Bronson's movie. incredible. It's one of my all-time. Bronson's favorites. like getting punched in the but, gut. I mean, yeah, I mean, you put Bronson as Bane, and because of the whole talking, and you know, if you saw the Robot Chicken, which I'm a big fan of Robot Chicken, which by the way, MC Chris is supposed to be doing a podcast with me, and maybe giving me music for the movie too, which is kind oh of wow, because cool, I'm a damn nerd. I'm a hardcore nerd, um, but um, I, I think that. It's it's kind of a joke where Bane walks in and breaks Batman's back every few seconds in Robot Chicken. And I'm like, man, Bane needs to break Batman's back in the third one, and Azrael needs to come out. And I'm like, what happened? It didn't happen. You know, so I was kind of pissed. The, the, I, so. I, the, the, those, the, the Nolan Batman movies, I kind of go into, like I try to go into any sort of comic book property and any reboot or anything, I'm okay with it as long as I don't try to compare it to the source material. Yeah. I was okay, I was okay with the movies because I tried to go in, you know, give it a clean slate. I liked Batman Begins. I thought the dark, uh, the dark knight was as, as close as you're going to get to a flawless comic book movie this day and age. And then Dark Knight Rises, yeah. I could have really done without, especially with the ending. Yeah, I was very disappointed that yeah. because Bane is another character that I really love because he, he like Ra's al Ghul, he's a mental and physical match for Batman. 
And I was very disappointed right. that where the media always gets Bane wrong, even Batman the Animated Series, which which to me is kind of the holy grail of, of Batman interpretations, even that just cast Bane as like a heavy. He was just a goon. And... To, oh yeah, and he's so much more. Than right, that. exactly. He's a he's a genius. He's a strategist. I mean, he Bane is Batman's. Evil. Right, exactly. As far as when you do that stuff, yeah. I mean, everybody else is like a step below. I mean, you're looking at the Riddler, you're looking at the Joker, you're looking at all those guys. They're kind of like a step below Batman. Bane was the guy who was Batman's equal, and fucking showed him. Yeah, that he was. Too. And and in all the cartoons and uh, any kind of tie-in stuff. He's always just a goon because people don't know what to do with him. And I really hoped that that third Nolan movie, he was finally going to get his due. And, you know, it looked like he was. And then at the end, oh, nope, he's just a goon again. He was just following Talia's orders. I was like, yeah. uh, spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, if you've waited four years to see Dark Knight Rises. Then... <laughs> um, well, I did like the Avengers I thought the Avengers turned out really well, but I think the reason why the Avengers turned out really well because uh Chris Helmsworth is actually pulling off a pretty decent Thor. That Thor story is actually not too bad. He's not as big of an asshole as he should be because um, the Thor comics, you know, Thor's an ass, and he's supposed to be. But uh because if it wasn't for Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man to the hill, yeah. I don't think those movies would be as good as they are. Well, and and that's what it is. So. It's the the casting is is really the magic there. I mean, they obviously they've they've done very smart things with the directors uh with with getting different people to do each movie yeah, and, and J- Joss Whedon can't fuck up anything if he tries. So yeah, Avengers was great. Yeah, but they You know what? I love Joss Whedon, but I'm pissed off because it's like, okay, Joss Whedon, you're you're a god when it comes to directing. Uh, would you like to do a TV series called Firefly and then we're going to take that shit away from you? Because, I mean, Firefly was, to me, is the end-all, be-all. But, I mean, everything he does on television, they fucking take it away from him. Dollhouse. Everything. Yeah, and it's all been good. And, well, Firefly, here's my thing with Firefly. Um, I, I became a fan of Buffy uh, right before it ended on TV because it's it's called fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer. No, you know, I'm a dude. I'm not right. going to watch that. And then I did and it was uh, of course uh, tremendous. I've got Buffy tattoos on my arm. Um love that show. And then Firefly came along and Firefly is the best television show I've ever seen. But here's the thing. I like it the way it is because it never had the opportunity to get, cause Buffy, you know, it goes on for seven seasons. Not all of those seven seasons Got are stale. great. Whereas Firefly. I think at the end, a lot of crazy <laughs> stuff with bringing in new people. Yeah. And, and Firefly is, well, basically 15 perfect hours of media that every second of yeah. it is incredible and it's done. Like, we don't have to worry that somebody's going to come along and fuck something else up with it. Or, I mean, granted, they're doing the comic book, well, they're but... they're doing it. You, you read the thing about... They're, they're talking about doing a sequel. No, no, I haven't heard anything about Joss that. Whedon, Joss Whedon is going to do a sequel, but it's going to be a sequel where they're older. Well, that... Um, yeah. also they're going to do a sequel to where they show back... They go back to where it's the brown coats. So it's going to be different people that he's going to introduce... Which would be great if Joss Whedon's gonna do that. That's great. But unfortunately, it's probably gonna leave an open end where some unknown director's gonna show up and 
say, well, I'm going to do this movie about the brown coats, and he's going to fuck it all up. So. That's entirely possible. But at, well, then as Firefly stands right now, it's 13 TV episodes in one movie. It's all perfect, and like I'm happy with that. Like it sucks that it did end oh. early, but it's awesome that you have this this full run of something, and it's all good. It's like uh, Briscoe County is the same way. Oh yeah. Um, it. Well, I mean, Briscoe County is great, so is Jack of All Trades. Yeah. To a certain extent. Yeah, but, Jack yeah. of All Trades isn't quite the same. Like, I love it because it's, it's Bruce, Bruce Campbell Co, yeah. being goofy on Sam Raimi's happy fun television hour that was back to back with yeah. fucking Cleopatra 2525, if you remember that. Um. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, who could forget that? That was uh, part of the whole, that was part of that Xena money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And where they, well, yeah. when they found out that that, uh, hey, if you go shoot stuff in New Zealand, it costs nothing, and everybody there is super nice. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, I mean, I mean, those are, there's excellent TV out there that's just done, and I'm kind of okay with that. What are you, what are you guys, uh, let's start with Matt. What, what kind of nerdy stuff are you, are you reading any current comics right now? Have you got any recommendations? I'm I'm not reading anything current right now. I'm actually going back and rereading a lot of my favorite stuff right now. I'm I'm currently uh almost done rereading uh The Long Halloween, which is oh. by far my my favorite Batman book yeah. ever. Yeah. Uh I, th- I think it ba- barely ed- edges out uh The Dark Knight Returns as far as my favorite one of my all-time favorite comics. So I've been del- delving into it. I've been going back and doing uh the the original run of Ultimate Spider-Man and thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, and then I'm about about to uh, delve back into the original Ennis uh, Punisher stuff b- before the Max stuff. Okay, so. very cool. Yeah, that um, all to, all of that stuff is fantastic. Like Ultimate Spider-Man, I came in late because I, I come in late to everything because I'm I'm a I'm I think I've gotten better about it in recent years, but. I this goes back to high school. I'm one of those naysayers. Like as soon as something gets popular quickly, I don't want to have anything to do with it, which is so stupid (laughs) because it gets popular for a reason. But like Ultimate Spider-Man, it was a hit very, very quickly, and I was like, oh, it's some different Spider-Man. I don't give a shit about that. Why would I read that? And then I picked up uh, Barnes & Noble had the first 40 issues in this big hardcover for super cheap. So I was like, oh, I want to read some fun Spider-Man comics. I'll check it out. And it blew my mind. I think it's one of the best runs of comics ever, even over. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much love anything Bendis writes, and I think he writes the Peter Parker characters so well and so realistically. And it's it's almost scary how well he can write teenage, you know, 16-year-old kids in high school. But yeah. <laughs> it, it's just, you, you connect with it. And it's it's a, definitely an, an interesting, interesting dynamic and interesting to be able to see them set in a, a more contemporary setting now. Yeah, it's uh, he did amazing things with that book and and with the way he kind of reintroduced everybody cuz it seemed you know on the one hand you look at it and you're like oh is it going to be hokey to see you know Goblin and Doc Ock and Venom and everybody reintroduced but he always had it was an interesting spin but at the same time it was very true to to the original characters which which is another amazing thing about Bendis. Yeah, and his version of the Clone Saga, I thought, was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Who thought that that could be done well? Uh, any, any like TV or anything you're watching right now? I'm a big, uh, big sitcom guy, uh, so I'm, I'm loving Community. Speaking of nerdy stuff, oh yeah, that fantastic show. Uh-huh. 
Uh, don't don't know how you feel about Big Bang Theory. I know a lot of times that people in the nerd community aren't excited about it. I love that show though too. Some do. Uh, yeah, it's a great show. I love that show. And then uh, what's been occupying, of course, a lot of my time lately now is uh, the WWE Network. So I don't even feel like I, I need uh, satellite anymore because I can just plug into that and decide. You know, I'm nonstop, just nonstop wrestling. I feel like I'm in high school again. It's great. Yeah, James was putting that over before you got on. I, I haven't checked it out yet. I just I, I need to take the step, but it'll be a matter of figuring out how to stream it to a TV because I don't like watching stuff on my computer. Right, I, I, I've got the app on my PlayStation Three, and it's working flawlessly. Oh, now. really? Yeah, there were there were a couple a Roku box too. Yeah, but it, my, my PS Three is playing it fine now. It's great. I mean, it's just just like streaming Netflix on a PS Three. It's it's fantastic. Oh gosh, that's it then, because that's that's what we've got upstairs, and we we do Amazon uh, Amazon Prime and Netflix or work fantastically on that thing. So. But it's great. It's got, it's got the search feature that you can type in, you know, names or events, and they'll pop everything up that you want to do. You can search by by year, by by promotion. It's it's awesome. Oh my so, gosh, that's awesome. And Benoit is on there. Really? Yes. Yeah, he's on there, but the, but you can't you can't search for him. And it's funny, like on the uh, anytime you wa- watch an event. It will show you the, the starts and stops of matches, and tell you know tell you who's in the match and everything, and like the descriptions of any of the events. It, he's not listed at all. It'd be just you know, Kurt Angle defends the WWE title, but he doesn't say who defends against. Right. That's cool that they they've actually you know they didn't go in and do their thing though. That, that's that's interesting. I, we'll get into it another time because we I definitely want to get some cool stuff from James and wrap it up here. But I had an interesting conversation with Diamond Dallas Page about Chris Benoit that that I didn't initiate. It, it was it was weird times. I'll, I'll tell you guys about that later. Actually, um, James, what what kind of cool stuff are you into now? Are you are you even checking any uh, any Current TV out? What kind of movies are you watching? Oh, current. I, I don't. I, I, I watch uh, Big Bang Theory too. I mean, that you know, it's it's all the same stuff we all watch is uh, like Doctor Who and uh, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, Vikings. Uh, I'm waiting for Hell on Wheels. But the thing I've been watching, I watch a lot of BBC. So I, I watch uh, Mrs. Brown's Boys, which is a really good sitcom out of the BBC. It's a Irish sitcom where if you, as long as you don't mind the word fuck, it's a it's a male comic who plays an old female lady. It's pretty funny. Um, it's like an Irish Tyler Perry. Other, than, yeah. Kind of, <laughs> I mean, if you watch it, it's it's a hell of a lot better than Tyler Perry. No offense to the guy, but <laughs> you get a chance watch some some Mrs. Brown's boys. It's got some pretty pretty messed up jokes in it, and some pretty funny stuff. But I watch a lot of uh, like Billy Conley and uh, uh, like Ross Noble. I mean, QI. I, I watch Q, quite interesting stuff like that. And as far as comics, uh, I kind of started going back and reading the Lobo stuff because of the uh, rumor floating around that The Rock's going to play Lobo. And I'm really hoping that it's going to be Lobo, not this new Captain Planet-looking thing oh, that they redid. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, I want it to be Simon Beasley or Beasley's Lobo, not, uh, not the... That that thing they put out on DC a while back. So. Yeah, Lobo needs to be a big, huge, jacked up, like out of control jerk. Not not a a slick. He, he Lobo's not fucking yeah. Lobo's not fucking Dexter. Yeah, and they, I mean that's what uh, you know the new stuff that DC was putting out with him is he's got a nice haircut, and I'm like, no, I want somebody with a lion mane. 
I mean, I want the guy who killed his damn, you know, in the first Lobo stuff, I want the guy who killed his damn teacher or cut her arms and legs off. Yeah. You know, the, the pit bull and chomping on the cigar and making up his own cuss words with the heavy metal in his head. You know, that's the guy I'm looking for. So. Well, and that's the thing is I that. I just hope they don't screw that. Like that Lobo is why we are even talking about Lobo right now. Like that's, oh, right. that's how yeah. he got popular. It was the over the top violence. It was, you know, just the, the, the pure outrageousness of the comic that was unlike anything else. And, and, you know, if you're going to talk about doing a Lobo movie, that version of the character is why you're talking about it, not some slick. And I, I read the issue because I wanted to be able to talk shit about it knowledgeably. Like I didn't want to do. I, I I hate dismissing stuff, and I do. I'm guilty of it. Everybody's guilty of dismissing stuff w- without actually, you know, looking into it. Because a lot of times you can look at stuff and know, like, well, that's bullshit. But this one, I I really, you know, Lobo's kind of near and dear to me, and uh, I wanted to know, and I do know, and I and I get what they're doing. Like, I'm not saying it's a bad story, but this isn't a Lobo anybody wants. It's, it's ridiculous. And it's another, right. it's another DC New 52, uh, well, we've got to change it. And, and again, change for the sake of change. Like I was talking about before, which that's never a good type of change. Right. Well, that's the, and the whole reason why I started getting back into Green Lantern at one time in my life was because of Guy Gardner. Oh, Which guy. Is the same kind of thing. I mean, you, you know, they should do a Guy Gardner movie, but. I agree. Guy Gardner, here's an asshole who got the ring by accident. You know, I mean, it's, it could happen. So. I wish that Dennis Leary was still of an age where he could play Guy Gardner. <laughs> oh, jeez, I haven't even thought of that. That would be fucking fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, uh, I would, um, yeah, I would, uh, we, we gotta wrap this thing up. James, uh, plug away. Let us know where to go, where to find your stuff, how to give oh, money to Gorda. Um, go, go to Indiegogo and just type in uh, in their search engine, The Gorda, and you'll see uh, some some spaghetti western style stuff. Um, and you can donate there. Also, you can go to www.familycursefilms.com. There's plenty of stuff there. There's podcasts. There's all kinds of posters you can download. Uh, also, don't forget to uh, check out all the actors. You can go on Facebook and just write Family Curse Films on Facebook, become a friend, like us, uh, comment, say whatever the fuck you want, I don't care. I gotta give a shout out to Anthony. Anthony's playing Townie. He was one of the guys who gave me a big heads up before we did this. So Anthony, uh, I'm, I'm saying it. So there you go. <laughs> and, uh, Matt and Jen, where can we find the Sells family in the near future? Uh, you will see me all over. Uh, be sure to uh, go ahead and friend All Cells Final on Facebook. Uh, follow All Cells Final on Twitter. Uh, go ahead and give that uh, Pro Wrestling Resurrection fan page a like on Facebook. Uh, this Saturday, you'll see me doing a double shot as I'll be uh, making my return to Peach State uh, Wrestling Alliance in Carrollton, Georgia, and then hauling ass down to Locust Grove, Georgia for NWA Atlanta, where I'm the current NWA Atlanta heavyweight champion. Uh, so come on Woo. out to both. Yeah, come on out to both of those shows uh, and see your favorite hair metal heartthrob in action. Uh, and uh, always, you know, happy to see me and my hetero life mate Johnny Danger in action everywhere. Uh, and of course, uh, go support that uh, Alabama Wolfman guy at Monstrosity Championship Wrestling as well. And I'm looking for a job. And so remember, if anybody's no. hiring, <laughs> let me know. Oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. 
<laughs> you're like the smartest, most intelligent one of all of us on this thing. So you're, you're going to land on your feet. She, she, she's looking for a job, but see, I'm the one that's used to doing jobs. So. <laughs> hey guys, thank you so much for coming on. This was an awesome talk, and uh, everybody remember, no butt stuff. No butt <laughs> stuff. No butt words stuff. to live by. Hey, that's it. That was great, right? I had a lot of fun talking to them. I'd love to actually get together with those guys when James is in town and just sort of hang out and have some beers. But what you guys want to do is go to Indiegogo.com slash projects slash The Gorda, or just go to Indiegogo and and, uh, search for The Gorda, and it'll come up, and uh, give, give some money to them. They've, they've only got 15 days left uh, from, from when this podcast went live uh, over there on Indiegogo. But you can also check out uh, GoFundMe, I think was the other one James mentioned. You're going to have to rewind to be sure. But uh, check out GoFundMe and look for the Gorda. And uh, that one goes a little bit longer. All they're trying to do is pay for the insurance, man. Everything else is covered. They've got their actors, their music. Everything else is good to go. Uh, and you can go to GordaMovie.com and check that out. Please do it. Uh, this is a good bunch of people making some really funny, messed up shit. Uh, you're you're going to want the Gorda to happen. Trust me. I, I can't wait to see this movie. So, uh, well, and it is going to happen. It's just a matter of, of helping out. Help these guys make their dreams come true, just like Laverne and Shirley. Uh, so anyway... Needless Things podcast available on iTunes and Stitcher. Check out NeedlessThingsSite.com for the toy reviews, movie reviews, my adventures at cons, and uh, all kinds of other good stuff. And that's all I've got for you today. Family Curse Films on Facebook. Check that out. And, of course, uh, Phantom Troublemaker on Twitter and Instagram and whatever else. Thanks for listening, guys. I love you. We'll see you next time. Sucking fucking nut and bag job there, fucker. What the fuck? We're supposed to be doing this Skype interview with the with the man, with the main man, with the with the phantom troublemaker dude there. What the hell? Are you out wrestling? You're out wrestling, jacking somebody off, aren't you? You're giving somebody head in some back alley just so you can get damn tickets to damn WrestleMania access, aren't you? <coughs> I could have gave you those, but no, you had to go on somebody's wiener. All right, man. Go to Skype and get this shit taken care of, or I'll kick your butt. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.